You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Well, we're just off of the 4th of July. We've got some Patriots news randomly at this time of the month. And we also have apparently a Twitter fight. Greg Bedard (laughs) threw himself into the middle of a melee. And now chaos is breaking out. Albert Breer is tweeting and texting and talking to you and you've got people who uh, are obviously a little bit younger than you fired up by what you tweeted so as we get into the Nikhil harry talk let me first ask you greg and this is a dangerous thing to do now because we're in the middle of this kerfuffle as judge judy would say <laughs> let me ask you your take on Nikhil harry's agent coming out yesterday and requesting a trade okay so look everybody on here and Nick, everyone who listens to our podcast knows that I am, I'm not reactionary. I don't just throw bombs for the sake of throwing bombs. I sit and I think about things and, and ruminate a bit. And when I thought about the Nikhil Harry situation from all sides, my conclusion was he's a quitter, you know, Mm -hmm. that the going, the going got tough. And he said, you know what? I want out. Now, and look, this is this is the reason why I think that, Nick. Number one, and, and this is to go against, so just to give people a little context. So I wake up this morning and like Trey Wingo, who I think works for some sort of uh, pro football network now, so I think that's why he's in the mix now. He's not at ESPN anymore. He's in the pro football mix. Um, he took issue with me calling him a quitter. Um, my buddy, Will Blackman, who I, from BC, from Rhode Island, who I covered with the Packers for a long time. I go back a long ways with him. He took a little bit of an issue with me calling Nikhil Harry a quitter. Rob Carpenter, great Syracuse wide receiver, uh, you know, good, solid pro wide receiver also took issue with me calling Nikhil Harry a quitter. And what I would say to those people is that and I would say this to a lot of people who don't really know what's going on with the Patriots is that I'm sure from the outside looking in that it looks like, Oh, well, this is just a case. This is your normal case of a guy just not getting opportunities and he needs a chain of scenery. To me, that completely ignores the situation in new England, both with Harry and the team, Nick. And what I mean by that is look, Nikhil Harry's rookie season was basically a wash. He missed half the season due to injury. You do that with the Patriots. You know you have no chance as a rookie. So he had 12 catches. We understand. Tom Brady wasn't his biggest fan, what have you. 
the injury. It wasn't going to work for him for uh, his first year. Then he comes back for his second year, okay? You know, increased expectations for Nikhil Harry his second year, but what happens? COVID, and Tom Brady leaves. So the circumstances for his second season have completely changed. Now you're like, well, I don't know. And let's also not leave out the fact that the Patriots had a terrible passing offense. They were terrible through the air. You know, and so he Nikhil Harry went from 12 catches to 33 catches. 33 catches, considering all the different circumstances, you know, while not great, not horrible, okay, right. judging off where he was his freshman year. Yep. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Okay. So now we come into year three for Nikhil Harry. And mind you, he's the first wide receiver Bill Belichick's ever drafted in the first round. They have a very vested interest in him working considering all their personnel ills, especially at wide receiver. So here we come into year three. It's his first real offseason as a professional football player. He gets the benefit of OTAs, he, you know, in-person OTAs. He can learn in the classroom. He can learn on the field. He gets mini camp. So you're like, okay, now let's see. And you also have to understand that the Patriots and OTA and minicamp, it's not, even Bill Belichick said, it's not, the competition really hasn't started yet. It doesn't start till camp. Right now we're learning. And Nikhil Harry needs to learn because of what happened to him the first two seasons. So, you know, did he light the world on fire in minicamp? No, we've talked about it in the podcast. We talked about it two podcasts ago where we talked about I had him being traded. I mean, so this all fits, his trade requests all fits with my 53-man roster prediction. So I should be happy about this. But where I came across it, so that's one factor. The second factor that outside people don't realize is that no one outside of Nelson Aguilar has anything given to them on this team. Nobody, uh, a wide receiver, excuse me, a wide receiver. So Nikhil, uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar got like what, $10, $11 million from the Patriots? He's got a job. Okay, he has to work. He's going to get a chance to work. Kendrick Bourne got five million, you know, a decent chunk of change, but nothing that says he's wide receiver number two. Then you have Gunnar Olszewski, Jacoby Myers, Isaiah Zuber, whoever. These are all guys making the league minimum. So to me, watching this and watching the team, Considering what he had, what his first two seasons, and now the situation where, if you look at it from the outside looking in, Nikhil Harry, the team outside of Nelson Aguilar and a little bit of Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry's the next guy that the Patriots have a vested interest in it working for him at wide receiver on this team. And so he gets this full offseason. I, I was expecting him come to camp, let's see what happens, and then go from there. Instead, after his first real offseason in the pros, him and his agent decide to check out and say, we want we want to change the, change the scenery. To me, that is Nikhil Harry quitting on the team that drafted him in the first round. I'm sorry. He should go and fight. The opportunity is there. He has made incremental, slow incremental progress to this point. No, The team is not beholden to anybody on the roster at wide receiver outside of Aguilar. The, the opportunity is there for him right. and go and fight and win a job. And instead, he checked out before the competition even started. And to me, that makes him a quitter. I think it's a Nikhil Harry problem. I don't think it's a Patriots problem. I don't think this is going away for him anytime soon. And so that's why I said what I said. 
let's unpack a, a lot of what you just said. First of all, you know, when you look at Trey Wingo and Will Blackman and other guys, listen, I appreciate the job they do. I'm sure they do some homework. But Absolutely. even for me, you know, I do what is pretty much a national show, and I have worked at a national level for ESPN Radio for, you know, a full year uh, before the pandemic. I understand the difference between working in Boston, which I had the opportunity to do, and working nationally. You can't dig into every single solitary detail about every single team and every single player when you work at a national level. You just can't. So some of these things, some of the details that you bring to the table – I'm not sure if Wingo or Blackman or other people who have an issue with you calling him a quitter, I don't know if those people have that intel information at their fingertips. I would guess that they don't. That's the first thing. Second thing is, as far as Nikhil Harry, I don't know if you want to call him a quitter. I don't want. I don't know if you want to call it just a, a disappointing turn. But for me, watching him play, and as somebody who stood up for him, and believe, mm -hmm. as you said, we talked about this two podcasts ago. Yep. As somebody who believed he could still be a productive NFL yep. wide receiver, not justify being a first-round pick, not justify being a number one receiver, to me, that was on the back shelf. When I looked at Harry, I felt like he could still produce. And what you want to see is you want to see a player compete. You want to mm -hmm. see a player battle for his spot. And if there are obstacles, if there is adversity, you want to see the player battle through that adversity. And hey, if he doesn't make the team and he gets traded, so be it. He doesn't make the team and he gets dealt. He got beat out by Jacoby Myers, Isaiah Zuber, and, and Gunner, and all these other guys. If that's what happens, that's what happens. But you mm -hmm. would like to see him get out there and say, no, I'm going to fight for my spot. I was a first-round pick. It hasn't gone my way through the first two years. Screw the people who are doubting me. I'm going out there and I'm fighting for this. The path he chose was screw those people for doubting me and criticizing me. I want to prove that I can be an NFL receiver. So I want to take the easier path. I want to find a team who believes in me and puts me in the position and I don't have to maybe scrap and battle for everything and I'll be able to get on that roster and all of a sudden things will be better. So I think, you know, he is strategically and his agent, obviously there's a financial angle to this. They are trying to find an easier path to production. And that means they did not want to take a tougher path. Whether you think that's quitting, whether you think that's just being strategic and doing what's best for you, right. whatever, whatever you feel. It's just as somebody who has covered this team and somebody who is a fan of this team, to me, it's just very disappointing. You know, in a perfect world, you would have that guy go out there and fight for his spot and say, no, I'm going to be a part of this team. I also would say, and I want to ask you, the idea, we've seen this with Stephon Gilmore a week or two ago with the, oh, okay, in the quote tweeting of the cornerback graphic. Yep. Your thoughts on Harry taking this public, his agent going public, and why you would do that, and if it changes anything. I think, um, no, it doesn't change anything is the short answer. But I think the reason that you do it is they have been lobbying for the Patriots for something, which is just, it's it's a joke. I mean, the, that his agent thinks that, like, they can have, that he can have these sort of uh, uh, discussions with the Patriots. I'm looking up a statement just to... Uh, 
I have been for the past several months. I have been working in cooperation with the Patriots behind the scenes to put a plan in place to now allow Nikhil to thrive in New England. Okay, so the the coaching staff led by six time Super Bowl winner Bill Belichick, who drew who made Nikhil Harry his first and only receiver drafted in the first round. Has are you saying they haven't been trying their hardest to make it successful for Nikhil Harry? I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Right, it's a joke. Um, they obviously wanted to work with Nikhil. I know talking to people last year, they 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 had hopes for him, and some of it was probably derailed by COVID. And look, Nick, and also you and I have talked about it. We talked about it early last season that I was hearing that behind the scenes, Cam Newton was the biggest cheerleader for for uh for Nikhil Harry behind the scenes. Yeah, he was he was helping them along. You know, they were the people behind the scenes were really encouraged by what they were seeing. And it made and sense. Look, it made sense, yep. Greg, because you looked at Cam's history and he had a lot of success with bigger receivers throwing contested footballs yep. like, a guy like Kevin Benjamin. So we all saw Kelvin Benjamin and said, well, that could work with Cam. So you understand why Cam might be fighting for him. Yeah. And, and, but we also understand in, in hindsight, we understand why it didn't work for anybody. It didn't work for Cam. It didn't work. If it's not working for the quarterback, how's it going to work for the receiver? Right. Like last year sucked. We understand it. Let's basically the Patriots attitude has been, all right, well, we're going to redouble our efforts and we're going to make it better for Cam and Mac and whoever else, Jared Stidham. Like, all right, we're coming back. We're, we're going to be better this season. Last year was tough for us. All right. We're going to recover. Um, and, and everybody else is going that way, but Nikhil Harry isn't. And then that leads me into, to let you know, and this is a little insight that I got after I published my column yesterday. So this is, um, this is exclusive to the pod is, uh, you know, I was asking around about like the, t I didn't understand the timing of the Nikhil Harry trade request because nothing has been going on for almost a month around the Patriots. No one's in the building. I mean, unless you're working out, but there's coaches are gone. Everyone's on vacation. Like why now to me, it reeks of a player. And you, I see this all the time. I've seen it throughout my career. A player goes home for summer break. It gets around his family, his friends, his agent, who are all like, and they, and if they, if he had, if he's not on his way to his $150 million contract, they're <laughs> looking for people to blame. And right. they're like, it's not your fault. You need a trade. You're not getting this. You're not getting that. It's not your fault. You're great. Blah, blah, blah. You see it all the time. And so I was asking people in the building, you know, what's the deal? What, any reason why the timing would be now? And basically I got like, was a bunch of shrugs. But one thing that I, I heard was interesting from somebody there was, their reaction was another case of a young guy thinking he's not the issue and displacing blame seen in a million times. And that sort of led into my bigger Twitter kerfuffle um, this morning, um, which was, you know, I basically put out there and this was in response to a couple people like saying like, he's not a quitter. I said, I said, he wants something handed to him his age, like a lot of uh, he wants something handed to him, like a lot of people his age. The going got tough. He didn't see an easy path to a job, so he quit on the team that drafted him. A change of scenery is not going to help him because he's the issue. Now, look, do I think all millennials are grouped into this? No, I said a lot. I didn't say all of you, okay? So stop being so sensitive. I know that's what you guys do. <laughs> you get sensitive on Twitter and start ranting and raving. I didn't say all of you. I'm sure there are a lot. I know there are a lot of you. Some of them I employ, like, you know, Connor and B-Rob and other people like who work their ass off. Okay. But there are also people that I see from people I've interviewed, from people I know in the business, 
from you know where my wife works from other places where they're look i'm sorry but the millennials have an issue and it's not your fault some of them have an issue with with work it's not your fault it's your parents fault it's our fault the parents okay and i see i also see it in the kids that i coach not with the group i coach now all their parents understand going gets tough you got to work harder you know but i have coached kids where they made four errors in games and the and the mom's reaction is to email me and say it's my fault instead of saying <laughs> you know what you just had a bad day like you're going to learn from this and be better okay so a lot of that stuff is going on here and look i'm just saying i didn't mean to offend all of you all right i know you all take you're all very sensitive and take offense to everything but Look, Nikhil has to realize, and, and you see this with pro athletes, and it's not just a millennial thing. You see this with pro athletes who, you know, in high school, they were the greatest thing since sliced bread. They went up against cornerbacks who couldn't who couldn't handle them. Then they go to a place like Arizona State where they don't play defense in the Pac-12, and things are a little bit easier for him. You know, and they can they can get their production, and everyone's everyone's like, "Oh, you're going to be a first round pick," and all this stuff, and maybe you know some some guys don't have to go to class, some guys do have to go to class, whatever. It's made easy for them. It just is, you know. And then you then you come to the pros now after high school and college, you expect everything to be the same, and now all of a sudden you got six three guys who run four three who don't let you off the line of scrimmage, and yeah, it's tough. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to go look for a change of scenery or maybe, all right, maybe somebody's going to hand me the ball out in the flat so I can run? Or are you going to keep trying to get better, try to work with the coaches? Hey, coach, go to your coach and say, all right, coach, how do I get better? What do I need to do? What do I need to work on? How can we do this? I, you know, I, I, it's not working for me to this point, but I'm, I'm confident in my ability and it will work at some point. I need your help. But instead, you're like, no, I, I want to trade and I want to go elsewhere. You know, Nick, if I were Bill Belichick, I would let, after this, going public, which you do not do with the Patriots, you know, because I'm sure his agent thinks, oh, yeah, we'll get a trade now. He'll get a better opportunity before camp. He'll get in there before camp. I, If I were Belichick, I'd be like, screw you. Now we're going to keep your ass till final cut down, and if nobody trades you a bag of used footballs, we're going to cut you, and now you got to go try to find a place on a 53-man roster or on a practice squad in September. Good luck. Good luck catching passes this year. That's what I would do if I were Belichick. There's a lot to say. But First of all, uh, instead of, you know, listen, I think people get into the semantics game. I don't think anybody looking at this situation could disagree with this statement. Nikhil Harry and his agent took the path of least resistance. How you feel about that? Some people might look at it, especially if you're a former player, and say, oh, he's he's doing something strategically. He's not a good fit. You know, he's tried to work with the team behind the scenes to get dealt because he knows he's not a good fit. And he just wants to move on. Others will look at it and say, well, he could try to compete and try to become a fit, and instead he's asked out. So it's the path of least resistance, which I don't know how that plays with other teams. If you're another team and you're looking at this, Say if you were interested in Nikhil Harry before, are you still interested in him now? Because you might look at this and say, oh, is that the guy that he is? Like, is he always going to choose the path of least resistance? And is that the kind of player I want on my roster? Interesting question. It'll have to be answered by somebody. I also think that we should not overlook the Patriots' role in this. Let's not forget Bill Belichick uh, apparently overdrafted him. Uh, mm -hmm. Harry, Harry will go down as one of the hopefully – 
last examples of Belichick not listening to scouts, trusting people that he works with and has relationships with. This team should have had A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, any of those other receivers that reportedly the scouts fought for and Belichick thumbed his nose towards. So this is on Billy. And I would also say that when they brought Nikhil Harry in, once you make that decision and you draft a guy, especially in the first round, find a way to use him and get the most out of him. And mm -hmm. I don't think the I don't think the organization did that. I think McDaniel's failed. I think Belichick failed. They did not throw contested footballs to him and, and force him to try to make some catches as much as they could have. He was open, not all the time, obviously. You can look at the PFF stats where he was like 99 out of 100 getting open last year. I saw that thing on Twitter yesterday. It, you know, But he was open at times. They did not throw him the football. That's not on him. And you mentioned this before, Greg. You know, He's really a big slot. He's somebody who could be used in the red zone. And he's somebody that you can throw the football to and say, hey, contested catch, make the play, young man. And I don't feel like the Patriots did a good enough job of putting him in a position to succeed. Now, whether or not that should have led to what happened yesterday, I don't think so. I don't think you go public. I would much rather see him try to fight for the spot. And then if things aren't working out, maybe you get some sense somewhere else. And on the last part that you mentioned, I don't want Belichick out of stubbornness to say, all right, screw you, Nikhil, because I'm unhappy by what you did. If you can get something of value for Harry, even if it's a fourth-round pick, I would rather take that than cut him at the end of camp. If if you feel like it's done, he feels like it's done, we all have to feel like it's done. I mean, once you go public, it is OVA, OVA. So once you get to that point, I would rather have Belichick turn around and say, let's go get a pick for this guy. Let's move on. Let's bring somebody else in. How about you bring in somebody like Golden Tate? Maybe Golden Tate wants to compete for a job. I don't know, but move on from the young man. Speaking of moving on, let's move on. We spent a lot of time on Nikhil Harry. I think it was worthwhile, and I do get entertained by the kerfuffles. All right, so a couple of things about Belichick. You just said nothing's happening. Guys are in the facility working out. Coaches are on vacation. This is the chill-down period unless you're Nikhil Harry's agent where nothing really happens over the next few weeks until camp pops up. So if you had a worry list, as we would call it, for Bill Belichick, Greg, what is the biggest worry to you? What would keep Belichick up at night right now? Without knowing their internal discussions about this, because I, I don't know where they are with the quarterback position, it would be the quarterback position. Do we have, do we have enough a quarterback to win this season? And... So that that led me down a, a predictable rabbit hole for people who are listening to this, and 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 I won't go down it, but <laughs> you know because some people don't like the discussion when I bring it up. But look, I think I think, and, and a lot of people disagree with it. They think they got Mac Jones and they got their guy, and they might have their guy in Mac Jones. The Patriots, from having him now in camp and things like that. The Patriots might be beyond Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. They might say Mac Jones is as good as Jimmy. We don't need Jimmy, blah, blah, blah. But I'm still, depending on what happens in San Francisco, and really what led me down this path was uh, Matt Mayoko, who's a great and covered the 49ers forever, um, sort of came up at the same time I did, covers the 49ers out there yep. for NBC Sports Bay Area. And he wrote a story about what happens if Trey Lance is the starter, and, and which he thinks is in the realm of possibility. Um, you know, we'll have to see whether that happens. I doubt it happens, but just in case it does, he makes the case that they are not going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo as a $25 million backup when 
the uh, the highest paid backup around the league right now is like six and a half million. I forget who it is, but yeah, I think it's the Colts. I forget who's on the Colts, but in any event, uh, you know, if I'm Belichick, I am keeping tabs on that because to me, right? It's got to be. What'd you say? It's got to be Nick Foles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's who it is. Good job. Um, that's why we have you here. That's why we pay big bucks. Um, <laughs> I'll see you later, everybody. Thank you. There you go. I'm out. All right. See you later, guys. Um, but I, I think that if you're Bill, Bill Belichick, look, look, it's not really working with Cam Newton. You could, can you make it work and, and mutter along? Yeah, you can. Mac Jones, is it ideally the right time for him in terms of his physical development? Probably not. I mean, ideally, you'd probably want him to sit a year to get a little bit stronger, to get the arm strength a little bit stronger, to get in the playbook a little bit. Right now, they don't have that option. But if Trey Lance grabs the job out there and they don't want to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million to stand around and hold a clipboard, then I think I think that my number one worry is do the Patriots have enough at quarterback? Because I think they have talent all over the rest of the roster, You know, whether it meshes or not, we'll see. But, I mean, just look at last year with the Bucks. They bring in a quarterback. It took a, until about halfway through the season, and they caught fire. They won their last eight games, won the Super Bowl. You know, you bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo here who already knows the system. Uh, I think that gives the best the Patriots the best chance to win this season. But, you know, a lot of other things need to happen. But that's not, my number one. The thing that's keeping me awake at night is, are we good enough at quarterback? And that's going to be, if I'm Bill Belichick, it's going to be a situation I'm constantly monitoring on my team and but also around the league. All I know is if I'm Kyle Shanahan, what would keep me up at night is that I did not deal Jimmy Garoppolo when I could have. Yep. And now I'm looking at a situation where I might be stuck with either a $25 million backup quarterback or having to cut the guy when I could have possibly got a second round pick, a third round pick. I mean, San Francisco mismanaged that entire situation. And they better hope that Trey Lance is the guy for what they gave up. Uh, any any thoughts about Stephon Gilmore? Uh, how Belichick is viewing this? It's been about a week, two weeks since Gilmore went public with the OOK tweet. Uh, it seems like they're pretty much in a loggerhead situation. Uh, is this something where we just kind of got to wait to get to camp to see if Gilmore shows up? and kind of take it from there? Or, you know, what, what do you make of all of this and, and what Belichick is thinking when he looks at this roster and when he looks specifically at Gilmore? Well, Nick, I think my my developing sort of opinion or my latest opinion on this, and, and this, this comes off of I've been doing, I've been looking a little bit closer at the other AFC East teams the past couple of days. I've done the Bills. I did the Dolphins. I'll do the Jets probably this afternoon. And when I did the Bills, who, mind you, have added Emmanuel Sanders this offseason, uh, you know, I came to the conclusion because looking at the Bills, they're so-so on the offensive line. They don't really ho- have a whole lot of pop at running back. It's going to be a Josh Allen offense again. Yep. And they're going to they're gonna go shotgun, spread, what have you. So you're going to need to cover. And now, not, not, now, not only do you have Stefan Diggs and Beasley, and now you have Emmanuel Sanders. You know, Dawson Knox is a decent tight end. There's been some rumors about that they're in on Zach Ertz with the Eagles. When I did the Bills sort of look ahead, I came away thinking there is no way that the Patriots 
are doing anything other than having Stefan Gilmore at cornerback next year or this yeah. coming season. I agree. I, I, that, I, I mean, they and, – and, you know, you could also say that about the Dolphins. I mean, with what they have with Jalen Waddell and, um, you know, Will Fuller in addition to Devontae Parker. But if, if you're going to knock off the Bills, Nick, you have to have Stephon Gilmore. There's nobody out there that you're going to get that's going to be equitable to him that's going to help you against the Bills. And and I can tell you that I know that the Bills winning last year and Sean McDermott, you know, that first game where the Patriots basically had them on the ropes and Cam Newton got that ball punched out. And then Sean McDermott celebrating like he just won the World Series. And, you know, he's talking about, you know, he he, he took a well-earned break after that one. Like, give me a break. And then they, them to come in, the Bills to come in here and wipe the floor with you. Like, that did not sit well with Belichick. And he wants to knock those guys off. He wants to make it a blip, a one-year sort of Tony Sperano, Dolphins winning the division title, that sort of thing, flash in the pan. And so if that's the case, and I firmly believe that, st- whether it's on a one-year deal or a three-year extension, I firmly believe I will be shocked if Stefan Gilmore is not out there for the start of the season to shut down the Bills. And look at Brian Flores' plan, right? I mean, you look at Miami, two very high-paid corners, two guys on the list on that graphic that Gilmore quote tweeted, yep. the Dolphins. You've got Jones and you've got... Savannah and Howard. Howard. Yes, so you've got Jones and Howard, two top 10 paid corners. And you've got to think that Flores is thinking precisely what you're thinking. If you're going to win this division, if you have any Mm -hmm. chance to slow down Buffalo, you've got to slow down Josh Allen as Josh Allen goes, Buffalo goes. So Mm -hmm. Buffalo also has a very interesting schedule. I talked about them on my show yesterday. You know, in the first six games, they've got a tough, tough road. I mean, they play Pittsburgh. I'm not afraid of their offense, but Pittsburgh's defense is top five. They play Mm -hmm. Washington. That's a top 10 defense. They play at Kansas City. They play at Tennessee. I mean, they've got some tough games. And and then when you look at their schedule right before Thanksgiving to right before Christmas, they have another tough stretch where they've got to play at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay. They've got to play uh, New England twice. So the beginning of that schedule and towards the tail end of that schedule, it's pretty difficult for Buffalo. And what I'm fascinated to see the thing that we always overlook with Belichick and the Patriots, I think, is the consistency because it's boring. But to every year, and yes, Brady had a huge role in this. There's the disclaimer. But every single year to walk in, have everybody looking at you in the crosshairs, and to go in and continue to reach that level week after week after week, it's very difficult to do in professional sports. And I'm fascinated to see After Buffalo, who on paper is probably the second or third best team in the AFC, I would say Cleveland has more talent overall. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Buffalo, it's going to be fascinating to see how they handle expectations. And that includes Josh Allen. And when you look, Greg, at quarterbacks that have career years, it's not always the case that they follow those career years with another incredible year. I mean, you look back at Mahomes when he threw 50 touchdowns his first year as a starter. I remember guys who I respect, like Dan Orlovsky, coming out and saying, Mahomes is going to throw 55 touchdowns this year. I think he threw 26 or 27 that second year as a starting quarterback. When you look at quarterbacks that usually have that first year of a takeoff, Lamar Jackson, he took a step back last year. When you Mm -hmm. have that kind of a season, usually you have some regression. It might be slight. It might be significant. We don't know. 
I want to see what Allen does to follow it up. I, I think yep. Buffalo is a, a very interesting team. Let's jump to the bossofsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSA, $39.99 on their annual plan. Top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports. And, of course, if you're a patch junkie, you get access to the big guy, his video analysis he does on the coach's film, direct access to uh, Bedard in weekly chats as well. Let's go to Yogi Scribe. Greg, are you nuts? I'm the agent. Kids fam, kids point of view. Uh, you have crippled arm cam, unknown Mac at quarterback. Belichick de-emphasizes young wide receivers. Kid's been in the doghouse, two years on a rookie deal, et cetera, et cetera. Belichick is stubborn. That's why we are finally hearing about it in public, which will diminish New England's return. Um, of course, he's talking about Nikhil Harry. Well, let me ask you this because we haven't covered this aspect of the Harry thing. Mm -hmm. Before the draft, there was talk about a possible deal. And I would say that was obviously driven by Harry's agent because he's the guy that comes out public. I would have to imagine he was leaking stuff. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, Greg, do you think there was any value in Harry? Do you think if the Patriots said, let's deal him before the draft, do you think they, they would have had a shot at, you know, a third round pick or something like that from one of these wide receiver needy teams? Uh, not really. I mean, look, when you get closer to the draft and you talk about a position like wide receiver, um, you know, teams, when you look at a guy like Nikhil Harry, who it hasn't worked yet for, they're like, why would why would we trade for that guy when we can just draft a guy? Right. You know, and in and, and the last two years, last year and then this year, you know, we hear about the wide receiver classes are so deep and like there's not even enough draft picks for them. Like, why would you do that? So I don't I don't think there was much to it. You know, as far as what Yogi Scribe says. I think that he falls in the same trap as these other people. Like he says that, you know, any sane athlete would love to go elsewhere. Like, you know, I just think he he's he's absolving Nikhil Harry of any blame either. Like, and also the circumstances. We've been over the circumstances. And first of all, I don't think Nikhil Harry was ever in the doghouse. You know, he got he, he got hurt his rookie year. His second year, he got opportunities. Look. He screwed up a bunch of times. I remember there were times that we talked about, what was that? I think, was it the Texans game? Or there was another game where he got the ball in the flat and he had some 5'8 cornerback like right in front of him. <laughs> and what did he do? He kind of ran out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. Like, not a greatest moment. Yeah, and there were other times where like he had to pick up a safety and he missed them. And like, look, he just wasn't good enough. So he didn't get opportunity, you know. There is no grand conspiracy with the Patriots. Like, I respect the hell out of the Patriots and their coaches because I like the way they do things. Because if you you get what you earn with this team, period, end of discussion. You get what you earn. You know, and, and I'm sure other people like Felger would be like, oh, well, Malcolm Butler and this and that. And Bill has a vendetta against this person and that person. And he takes a personal bull. Like, there might be some extreme cases of that, but for the vast majority of the guys on this team who come and go off this roster, whatever opportunities you do or don't get with this team, you earn them. And so Nikhil Harry from his screw-ups, whether it's in practice or in games, did not deserve more time. You know, he should have just buckled down and be like, all right, I'm going to make the corrections. I'm going to be better and earn more time. He had the bottom line, and we should leave people with this, with Nikhil Harry. The bottom line is Nikhil Harry had the opportunity to earn as much playing time as possible this season. The Patriots were not beholden to anybody other than Nelson Aguilar. 
And instead of going there and competing and fighting for his job, Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry asked for a side door to go out and go someplace else. Yeah. And, and I, that I don't really respect. And I don't think going public diminishes the return because I don't know if there was much of a return to begin with. And, yeah. you know, what my final take on Harry is, again, I, I think they should have played him in a different role. I, I think they could have put him in a position that, that allowed him to maybe succeed at a better level than he did here in his first couple of seasons. But I, I would also say, like what you said, Greg, it, the Patriots, the grand conspiracy theory that some might cook up, the ultimate question is, well, why would Bill Belichick do that? But like, what sense does it make to draft a guy in the first round, which is the only receiver that you've ever drafted in the first round as the head honcho of the Patriots? Why would you invest that pick in a guy, bring him in, and then conspire against his success <laughs> it makes you look like an idiot belichick mm -hmm. is getting criticized for drafting harry where you drafted him so bill belichick's role is to draft the guy or sign the guy bring him in develop him do the best that he can do by the player and if the player succeeds guess what then belichick looks like a genius if you draft somebody in the first round and he ends up sucking in the first two years that doesn't help Belichick. So not, not mm. Belichick's not sitting there going, "Oh yeah, let me get this guy. Let me let me get him. Let me let me make sure that he really stinks this year." No, Belichick wants to look like a genius. Belichick wants to look at all the people that were bitching about drafting Harry in the first year of his career, turn around the second year and go, "Suck on that. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it." I knew he was a mm. first round pick. So the conspiracy thing makes no sense. Uh yep. he is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Uh, follow Greg on Twitter if you don't already, which you do. Uh, there might be more battles as the days ensue. You can follow <laughs> me as well at Nick C Radio. Until then, everybody, enjoy yourself, and we'll talk to you soon.